The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. I've got a box. What's in the box? It's come from... Have you ever seen Seven, by the way? No. What's in the box? Don't open the box! Terrifying. So this has come from West Des Moines, uh, USA. To Fujicast, Neil and Kev. Yeah. I like it when I get parcels like that. What do you think's in this box? It's a little brown box. Very light. I don't know. I mean, it's, it could be anything. Just show me a box. What, dentures? Right, I'm going to open it up. <laughs> Gemma's dentures. <laughs> oh, she didn't hear. Okay, so... Uh, Gemma's dentures. Ah, oh, I thought you'd hear. <laughs> oh, bless her. This looks like... Um... Uh, right, what do you think? So, I'll describe, because otherwise... Oh. Um, we've got four things that are identical. Yes. Little orange. They are. Very light, plasticky yeah. looking things. With, they look like uh, toothpaste holders for a Barbie doll. Well, okay, so you've got three <laughs> guesses. Okay, well, that wasn't one. Three guesses <laughs> at what these are. And if right. you get it, if you don't get it right, yeah. I get to keep all of them. All right. If you get it right, you can have oh, that's two. that's not fair. Yep. I'm awful at these sort of games. Um, so they've got little slits in them. So they they can't carry any uh, any liquid, can they? Liquid. <laughs> 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 well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, that one's. Oh, you made them all fall over now. Uh, that one's. I mean, oh. it's a holder for something, isn't it? I don't know. Look, look it's um. Correct. Well, that's good. Yes, you're getting warmer. Oh, okay, so warmer. The, uh, so this we must put a picture of this. Uh, we must yep. put a picture of this, by the way. We so, will. Um, this is to hold. I know. It's an eye cup holder. A what? Eye cup holder. What's an eye cup? Well, an eye cup, you know, when you put on your... The, the thing that you look through when you... Through the view viewfinder. <laughs> why, why would you want something to hold that? It stays on the camera. I, well, I know, but you might... It's have... still getting warm. It's something to do with the cameras. I keep spares. <laughs> so I could keep my eye cups in this. Uh, okay, so it's... Um, uh, it's oh, I know, it's something that you use to make... Putting straps on your cameras easier. No, wrong. You got all three <coughs> wrong, so I get to keep I didn't do all three. of them. Did I do three? Yeah. Okay. One more bonus one. Uh, look, you'll have to accept the Barbie one because I can't think of another one. So Barbie. I've done all three. Barbie, you know, the toothbrush holder. Oh. For a Barbie all right. Okay. Well, you. So I get to keep all of them. Well, and now you're going to tell me that they're written, they're worth I, a million pound each. I can't do without. Them. And they're made out of um, plastic, something or other. No. So the actual truth is, these have been sent to us very kindly from uh, Steve Dyke right. in uh, the US of A. Thank you, Steve. What the devil are they? And I, well, I'm going to read it out. Okay. I'm, I'm going to read out the little letter he sent to us, which was very kind of him. Greetings from the USA. These are just a little something to lift your spirits, uh, which it certainly did. I designed these Fuji X-Series battery holders. Oh, that is inspired. And 3D printed them so my batteries don't get lost (laughs) in my bag. And so I can tell which ones are charged and which ones are dead. What a great idea. Yes, he says he thought it would be nice to... And the little hole there is so you can see whether it's a square or round dot or whatever. Exactly that. So he thought it was nice to send us some. Um, He says thank you for the work that we both do in the Fujicasting community as a whole, which is very kind. And then he explains the system, which is I have a little system for using this case. Orange dot on the top means the battery is fully charged. Orange dot on the bottom, metal contacts exposed, and you know it needs to be charged. Also, if you... Orient. And you can push them out really easily. Yeah, if you orient the footed batteries correctly, the metal contacts will be covered by the plastic and you don't have to worry about the impending doom of the battery contacts touching something else, metal, and exploding. That is so clever. Yeah, plastic. And uh, so he 3D printed that. And a perfect fit. At home. I want to get a 3D printer. 
I've no idea what I'm going to use it for. Oh, I know what I would print. What would you print? I'm not telling Don't you. Don't tell no, me. It's, You're it's starting not. a new new, yeah. new business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> what do you think of that, Gemma? I know. But I did think it was a good idea that he went back into it. <laughs> <laughs> These are good, aren't they? These are fantastic. What a, what a fantastic invention. The Fuji cast. Thank you, Steve. Very, very clever. And thank you, Steve. Am I actually allowed to keep two or did I really fail so much? You can have one. You can have one. One? Okay, you can have two. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, Steve, could we do these with... uh, We're going to a little business to get... I shouldn't probably be asking this on the air, but we could go into a little business with Steve, couldn't we? With uh, We could get some branded ones for the Fujicast. We could. Merch. That would be the first one I would call really handy merch. Of course, Fujifilm have just changed the shape of the batteries. Oh, have they? For the X-T4. Yeah, of course they have, yes. Yeah. Well, we could have two lines of it. We could, easily. Yeah. yeah. Not an issue. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to put that over there in the... Wonderful. In the, it's the wonderful pile. I just like going like this with them. <laughs> oh, were you one of those annoying kids in classroom that used to do that with the glockenspiel or whatever? <laughs> Oh, no, the wood blocks, that was it. Uh, welcome to the Fuji Cast. You and your questions today from our electronic uh, mailbag and, of course, also through the Fuji Cast private Facebook group. I must admit, the questions have been rolling in nicely through that group. Please keep sending them in, though. If you're not a Fuji film shooter, it makes no odds. You're still warmly welcome here because the talk is very much also aimed at being this thing we call a photographer. Whether you're an amateur, a long pause there because I'm beginning to wonder whether I am now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, 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 if you're not getting paid for it, you're amateur. You're amateur. That's yeah. it. We're amateurs. Uh, yes, welcome. Although we're not actually doing it. So if you're not being paid for something you're not doing, can you yeah. call yourself anything? Uh, well, I'm still. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm photographing. I'm photographing. No, I'm. So let me. I'm photographing now and then. Right. Are you getting paid for it? No, uh, yeah. Um, now and then. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. still a professional then. Semi-pro, I would sure. <laughs> Semi-pro. Um, and also today's guest is uh, Andrew Hall. Andrew Hall, who um, from Australia. Uh-huh. Have you ever been to Australia, Kev? Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, he's going to be talking about motorsport. Fascinating guest. And, and fascinating also because of um, some things that life has thrown in his way that does not make photographing easy. Imagine not being able to feel uh, or have any feeling in your hands or indeed your ankles, um, or your feet. Well, I never knew that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some fascinating films on, on Andrew, uh, in particular um, sometimes when, I mean, he's known in the racing circuit now, the yeah. motorsport um, circuit, and he's very much revered as well. Yeah. And um, there's some films on, on how, uh, you know, he has, I suppose, em- embraced um, these these things that life things that have been thrown at him sometimes when he's in a um, in the garages for example he has to be if he goes onto his knees to go photograph something at a lower angle then he has to be helped back up again hmm. uh, a lot of the time of course being able to flip the viewfinder up has helped him immeasurably yeah and um, there's many reasons he swapped weight being one of the the real reasons of course from dslrs to yeah. to the fuji system but it's fascinating to watch him because uh, some of the fuji uh, some of those those i mean what, what is it the f2 what is it uh, 200 mil yep now that's quite a big lens isn't it yep so he, he um he's almost as tall as me yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
but he uses that without uh, without an issue at all. Anyway, um, but there's a, a lot about his photography to discuss as well. So Andrew Hall is our guest, and also we got a, a brand new feature. Have we discussed this? Yeah, Carl Hare. Oh yes, Carl. Yeah, yeah. I was involved in that. <laughs> you, yeah. you did the work. I thought. Well, hang on. What's this? <laughs> Throw me again. No. Yes. Yeah, Carl. Good old Carl. He's here. Some of you guessed correctly when I said to it was going to be on the food, on the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, tech specialist, all around good guy, yeah. brainiest person in the world. Is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I met Jeremy Vine. <laughs> is he the brainiest person in the no, world? No, Carl Harris. Uh, but Jeremy Vine's second, is he? Yeah. He's brother of Tim Vine. He is. And Tim Vine... And Funniest bloke in the world. Well, I don't know. Could you go and watch somebody just do one-liners for an hour and a half? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a See, little yeah, bit I mean, like when I record the podcast, to be honest with you. That's what I'm... I'm, I'm going through that right now. Are you? Well, no, it's not. But no, <laughs> Tim Vine is like, it's the cheesy joke after cheesy joke, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Now, he, my, my he, parents-in-law love him, but then they love Joe Pasquale. You know? Oh, no, I can't do There Joe really Pasquale. is, you know, you can't buy a class. Tim Vine, <laughs> Tim Vine was in... Um, Sorry, Joe. <laughs> in uh, Not Going Out, wasn't he? Was um, Yes, he was, oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I think that. it was. Yeah, that, that no, that is the yeah. But somebody the writes king of one liners. Yeah, no, but somebody writes the scripts for him, and he, they don't let him do as many. Lee Mack. Lee Mack. Does Lee Mack write that one? Lee Mack writes Very that. Very clever writer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Should we do the questions? Yeah. Before people leave us, <laughs> you're going to start. I'll go first. I have a question from Kevin Beecham, which is the best name in the world. Kevin. All right. Trying to use Acros with my X100S. Hmm. Right. I have seen a video that changing the data in the image and changing it from S to F fools Capture One to allow you to use all the F film simulations without a PC or Mac. I've tried with Lightroom Mobile and find that when I change the data, it saves the new image as a JPEG so the camera matching isn't available. Uh, is there an edit app that would allow me to keep the changed data uh, as a raw, or is this just another circumstance that I need to get a PC or a Mac? Uh, so essentially, what he's saying is he doesn't have a PC or a Mac, and he's trying to change the EXIF data from X100S to X100F. And if you do that, some software packages, including Lightroom and Capture One by the sounds of it, will think that the file is from an F and then will allow you to use the ACROS. So you can fool it. Yeah. Mm. So there's a couple of points here. Remember, whenever you're using Capture One or indeed Lightroom and you apply the ACROS film simulation from yeah. Capture One or Lightroom, all you're doing is applying their idea of it. It's not um, it's not the same as the one you will get from the camera. The only way you're going to do that is if you use Fujifilm X-RAW Studio. Okay, that's the only way you will get an exact replica. So, but to go back to the main question, yes, you can do this, but you will need either a Mac or a PC. Uh, the tool that you you can use is called Exif Tool, all one word, E-X-I-F-T-O-O-L. Uh, I assume there's a Mac version of it. I have a PC version of it. You basically load your RAW files up and you go into the application and it, where it says Fujifilm X100S, you just delete the S and put an F. This is that. Press save and it updates the RAW file, the Exif data in the RAW file. I will remember it for all... all um... Yeah. That's that's it on that raw right. file. You can you can do it on multiple raw files. Now there's a couple of things you need to be careful of. Um, one, it could end up going drastically wrong. So do not do this on raw files that you know back your raw files up. Basically, right. is is my point. 
I use it sometimes. For example, I've been using it to um, do some testing on some new JPEG recipes in Capture, uh, sorry, in Fujifilm XRAW Studio. And the images I'm testing it against are GFX 50R images. I no longer have a GFX 50R. So oh. XRAW Studio, you need to have the camera plugged into the computer. To change to change the, otherwise it's going to think forever more that, right, okay. So yeah, it just will not work. So Disaster. I've changed the raw files from, I've told it it's mm. no longer GFX 50R, it's a GFX 100. Yeah. And I have a JFX 100, so I can do it. So you need a tool called EXIF tool. Um, yeah, that's all you need. It's free. There's a there's a there's two variants of it. It's a command line variant, which is for the the real kind of Carl Hare would be able to deal with that easily. Or there's the GUI graphical user interface version, which is for regular people like me. Right. <laughs> Pretty pictures, <laughs> drag and drop, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you like Squarespace. Yeah, so Kevin, EXIF tool is what you need, but I do not think you will be able to do it on mm. just on an iPad. I think you will need a, a, a grown-up computer. <laughs> <laughs> just go next door and borrow, borrow your neighbour's yeah. computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you only plug, need plug somebody in with half one. An hour. Yeah, that's it. And it's a lightweight app as well, so you wouldn't need a, a you know you don't need a powerful machine to do that. Mm, mm. Right. Um, what has happened to the Instagram algorithm, Kev? It's changed. Has it? Have you not noticed last last few days? No. I'm getting just um, well. Somebody, somebody, help us here! It's just completely changed. All of a sudden, I'm not seeing any of the stuff that I I used to see regularly. And um, my my blessing, my, my our youngest son Thomas is with his train channel. Um, he was getting sort of like fifty. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing an awful lot of your wife stuff. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I I did see um, as before to be fair, but. I'm getting, you know, as I say, my young son, his stuff's just not being seen by all the people that used to follow him. There's more and more adverts. It's. I, it, I, I it, get it, no. I've never ever once had an weird. advert you on Instagram. Look, look at my feed. Right, this is my feed. Yeah. No adverts. How comes you don't get any adverts? Uh, no, that's an advert. Stop. N- where? Out now. It's not an advert. What's that? That is. They've. That's. He's put that as a picture on there. Oh, it's right, not okay. a promoted uh, advert. Because you were going right. Okay. No, no. Oh, there this. Look, go back. You give that little double tap there. That's Thomas's little. So you're getting. They see you're getting his stuff. <laughs> Maybe. Are you sure you just haven't got my phone and I've got yours? <laughs> you're getting lots of pictures of my wife and I'm getting lots of pictures of Thomas. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'm very spooked by the ads. I mean, you're not getting the ads, but I don't get any ads and never have. Okay, I- so we started talking about the other day. Um, we had to put some chairs and stuff back in the loft. I'm getting the same stuff. Because now that the government will only let us have two guests round on every other Tuesday that start with the letter F, <laughs> then um, so we, we got rid of some of the guest chairs. That Just we get loads of guns. Downstairs. Just get loads of guns and stick a, a grouse in the middle of the garden. <laughs> yeah, you can have as it. many people yeah, as you want. Yeah, that's it. So it's okay to have... I know you can't take 30 kids to a pond and watch the ducks, but you can take 30 adults to a... Shoot them. To, to a pond and shoot them, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's insane. Sorry, anyway, point. but yeah, so um, we were putting the chairs up into the loft, and um, Sam happened to mention to me we we must get this loft insulation done. Bingo! Two days later, not even two days actually, loft insulation adverts. Yeah, but you can switch all that stuff off. I know. Your phone. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to. <laughs> Maybe this is why I don't get any adverts because I have all of the. Uh, the listening You've stuff switched, switched off. off. Yeah, how do you um, switch them off again? Well, it used to be in the preferences. So, I, it, this may well be because I've done it. I did it a long time ago. Yeah, you can't yeah. do it on the app. You have to go into Facebook and do it in your Facebook advertising preferences. It's oh, really, really, f- really deep down in the Facebook menu stuff. But that's not going to affect my Instagram, even though they own it. It does. Does it? Yeah. 
okay yeah that's how you used to switch it off so that's what i did but i did that about six years ago or whenever facebook first bought them and i've never ever had an advert ever is that right never well i'm going to do that then um Jonathan- I will, what i will do for the people who are interested in that because we we've, we've rambled over that is yeah. i will i will put the actual steps to how to switch off instagram adverts yeah. Um, whether it works or not still, I don't know, but yeah. I will do it. Well, there is relevance to it because Jonathan Kerr uh, sent us a mail. Pick a legendary photographer from any genre, he said, specifically a photographer that came to prominence in the days before the internet. Were there days before the internet? Now transport them to 2020 and the world of godforsaken algorithms, <laughs> feature pages and engagement pods. Now ask them to start all over again with no reputation to precede them as though the world had never seen a single one of their images. Would they reach notoriety again, or might they get lost in the Instagram shuffle like so many other incredibly talented photographers struggling to get traction in the age of the internet? What a very good question, Jonathan Kerr in Northern Ireland. Well, uh, you know, it's dog eat dog. Take a if you pick up a caveman from a million years ago, here we go, and you <laughs> and you dump him into Manhattan in nineteen. 19- 95 yeah. well, there he is <laughs> sounds <laughs> you know, like your wife <laughs> what's he going to do he's going to have to he will be frightened and yeah. he'll be confused yeah. but then he'll learn and he will evolve mm. that's the way it is you know well Stig well there's Tiffany's what do you think Stig <laughs> he says I'm going to break in and <laughs> yeah. take the first thing that I see yeah I gotta, I've got a club I've got a club <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Stig and, you won't get away with it you won't get far and, uh, and he's going to shout at people I invented those wheels I invented those wheels <laughs> as, he, as he cycles off in his square wheeled bicycle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but no honestly I think that's yeah. I, you know I, I know Jonathan is a very good photographer and I, but I do know that this is a common um complaint argument by people that you know we we're not getting work because instagram is you know is unfairly treating us and all that kind of stuff and ultimately it's the world we live in mm. you, you what are you going to do just sit sit down and, and moan about it or, or do at, something look, about look, it look at um oh jonathan I, I don't think he's having a go at you no i'm not at all i'm not absolutely not having a go at jonathan i know i know jonathan he's um a really good photographer in northern ireland um i told you that no no now. he came on one of my workshops did he oh, yeah right, okay yeah apologies yeah <laughs> Um, so I've already <laughs> had his money, so I can have a good... <laughs> joking, joking. Uh, well, I suppose if you look at <laughs> photographers like... Um, okay, the first one that's coming to mind is Joey L. Do you know of Joey mm-hmm, L? Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Joey L is somebody who has grown up in the, the Instagram and, um, and uh, social influencing world, I suppose, in terms of what he's done with photography anyway. And he's been incredibly successful. And um, mm. he does go to... He does all kinds of stories, including actually, I, I saw that he was covering the the some Middle Eastern stories that were rather tricky. Actually, well, he was embedded with the Afghans. He flew in, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done a lot. And, of so, and so, but he, um, yeah, he's very much the result of of working, I suppose, right up from the bottom um, via Instagram, Facebook, and so on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and he it, broke through the noise, is what I'm saying. It's a challenge. Is the challenge okay? So this is a question: Is the challenge the medium? Okay, the the struggle that we all have with the medium, or is the challenge just the sheer volume? Okay, so mm-hmm. if you do take a photographer from, let's just say, I don't know, the seventies, right? Uh, an established photographer from the somebody 70s. like a Bailey, uh, somebody like well, a well, late sixties, somebody like it? a Bailey, yeah. 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 Now mid 60s there was not the opportunity to see so much photography no. there was a handful of the, the mm. what they call them the brit pack brat mm-hmm. pack 
um they were celebrities in their own right you know and so they were they were the instagram influencers of those days if you like they were celebrities they were the ones on the on the adverts selling olympus trip cameras and and various other things so the medium has changed but you know the fact is there was a lot less of them i mean they were rightly you know where they were in 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 the echelon of life i suppose but now because of technology so uh, the cameras the phones the multitude of cameras we have the technology is everywhere you know you've got webcams you've got dashboard dash cams you've got cameras absolutely everywhere cctv everything you know and so the, the, with it's bred a yeah. uh, whole new kind of humanity now is about photography or that everybody has access to it pretty yeah, much yeah. and so you know is it because there's too much of us them photography gear cameras whatever or is it because instagram is is not promoting us enough i think it's nothing to do with instagram mm. do you have a dash cam I do. I've never, ever used it. All right. I have one. And I remember the other day while I was having a proper rant about about the news, something I heard. And then, uh, I mean, I, I, I thought I was safe because it was just me in the car and the language was, you know, choice. <laughs> and then I remember my dash cam, of course, records everything, including noise. And I was thinking, well, don't have an accident now because the last thing they'll look at is, <laughs> is me... <laughs> <laughs> ranting to the world. Does it record all noises in a car? Everything, yeah, the whole mm. lot. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear, Kev. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, right, moving on very swiftly. There's some uh, things you only you just go in the car for. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even go anywhere in it. <laughs> right. Carl Hare. Um, so you spoke to Carl, uh, and it, this is going to be the start of a regular feature. How, 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 by the way, did you manage to twist his arm into this? Um, well, uh, because Carl, we know Carl very well, obviously. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's a member of the Fuji Film. I don't know what they call it, product specialist, yeah. uh, evangelist. We've got him pegged down as the man who knows pretty much everything about anything at all when it comes to Fuji Film cameras and products. So we've called him, as far as this show is uh, concerned, the chief engineer, because um, in radio lingo or podcast lingo now, now, the, the chief engineer in the building is the guy who can fix everything, and not just fix, but obviously answer questions about anything and everything that, that you may have. And we, we sort of joined you two up in a particular way, haven't we? We, we hooked up on, um, on Tintinet. And this is going to be the um, few questions. this is going to be the first of, of many. So, uh, so if you send a question in, how do people get questions in for Carl? Now? So we are doing this via the Facebook group. Yep. However, you can you're more than welcome to email us directly if you if you so wish. Um, we will deal with some of them uh, as we go along, but we we kind of keep it the very technical type questions. Yeah. Fujifilm only ones for him. Um, that doesn't mean you can't send us questions for other cameras, of course. But we're going to have a feature where Carl um, we unfold him from his little box and um, <laughs> he, we we. We throw him this tech stuff, but there is a thread on the Facebook group also, yeah. and I have been putting a little camera icon next to the ones that have been dealt with. Brilliant. So it's about five minutes long or so each time we do this. It's very tech. Kevin is back cave talking to chief, the chief engineer of the show, Carl Hare, who's in his testing lab, no doubt. Look, Kev, he even has a jingle. Hail to the chief engineer. So go on, Kev, release the first question. This is from Ricky Manso, and he says, what does the x Studio do when I increase the exposure by one stop? Does it act exactly like when we do it in the camera before we take a photo? Yeah, so XRAW Studio, obviously, for people that don't know, is a piece of software that you can put on your uh, computer, plug the camera in, and you can link the two and work off of your RAW files off the camera by doing in-camera processing on your computer. Great bit of software. Um, yeah, how it works, it works exactly like you would in a camera. It, if you're going to change your exposure using exposure compensation, you're going to uh, adjust your exposure plus or minus one stop, two stops, etc., uh, it digitally does that 
in the camera using the processor uh, rather than using the uh, aperture shutter speed ISO your three parts of exposure. Cool. Yeah, I've been using it this morning actually because I'm doing some stuff for YouTube. And uh, I, uh, you know, one thing that one question I get asked a lot is why do you have to plug the camera into the computer? And my understanding is because the software, the processing is still done on the camera because that's where the X-Trans sensors are and the processors and all that kind of stuff. So it has to go squirt all the information up the wire and then the camera does the actual jiggery-pokery and then it sends all of the information back up the wire and then you can save it as a JPEG or a TIFF or whatever on the desktop. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. All right, next question is from... Oh, by the way, for those who don't use XRAW Studio, you can download it. It's free from the Fujifilm website. Essentially, means you can just uh, use your RAW files and uh, set up some uh, funky JPEG settings, and away you go. So next one is from Tom Verhoeven. So he says, uh, this is on an X-T4 and X-T3, by the way. He says, I always use auto ISO. Inside, I often use ISO 6400 and a minimum shutter speed of 1125. I know that if there isn't enough light, it will go below 125. Outside, I use ISO 16 and a minimum shutter speed of 500. I'd expect it to use 160, my minimum ISO, and 500 or above in sunny summer weather. But sometimes, for a reason I don't understand, it will use ISO 1600 and a shutter speed, something crazy like 6000. Uh, he goes on to say it's not lens dependent to his knowledge. Uh, any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I actually tested this uh, a couple of days ago when we had a bit of sun. And uh, it's all to do with your dynamic range setting. Um, so if you're using auto DR, it will pick 200 or 400 to try and get the best dynamic range out of the scene using a slightly faster shutter speed and a slightly higher ISO. Um, when I took the auto dynamic range down to 100 it used the base iso no matter what i did so check here dynamic range setting is the the first one yeah cool yeah that's that was always my assumption as well now a couple of couple of side questions from me on that just to verify my own little tiny brain um now i always kind of when i say to people about dynamic range i say two things um one of them is that dynamic range only affects jpegs and not raws um, and I say that with a little caveat in that some software applications will read the dynamic range uh, setting and apply an exposure adjustment based on that, but it's not affecting the actual raw file itself. Does that sound about right? Yeah, correct, mate. Absolutely okay. correct. And then dynamic range 100, uh, I've always basically assumed that's off. It's not doing anything. Yeah, it's the the standard dynamic range of your your sensor rather than tweaking it to 200 and 400. Cool. Okay. So message to Japan, please change dynamic range 100 to dynamic range off. <laughs> <laughs> Makes Indeed. it a lot easier, <laughs> uh, which I'll consider. Okay. Dusko Petrovic, he says, XT10 camera in manual mode when I set shutter to 1/125th and the camera acts like it's in aperture priority and the shutter will change by itself on each shot. Any idea why this is happening? Again, could be a dynamic range setting. Uh, I don't have an X-T10 to hand or in our kit bag. That mm -hmm. went back to Fujifilm a couple of years ago. Um, I would carefully go through your settings and just make sure that things like dynamic range and things like that are uh, yeah. where you want them to be. Um, if it's acting like aperture priority and changing other settings, then you, there's another setting somewhere that's telling it to do it. So 
I just yeah. reset it and have a look. Next one is uh, this is a GFX 50R question. Matt Searle says, any idea how to turn off image review in the EVF of my GFX 50R after I've taken a photo? I have playback turned off, but seems to be showing me just the taken image. Yeah, so I had this uh, with a couple of cameras, and it was actually the view mode in the viewfinder. Yeah. If you press the, the view mode, it will cycle through the four or five different options. And I had to uh, change it so that it was just um, EVF, not EVF plus image display, EVF plus display, etc, etc. So try that first. There we go. The first of the chief engineer slots. And thank you to Carl Hare. If you have a question for Carl, a product specialist at Fujifilm, then send them via the show's Fujicast Facebook page, as Kev said. Gallantly looked after by Steve and Peter. And there'll be another five minutes or so next week. And it's the start of a series. And we're going to, when we we're able to, have Carl in so that we can have a, a decent-sized chat over coffee about his background and so on. So before we head back to, to more questions and this week's Book of the Week, let's now hear from this week's guest, Australian ex-series photographer and, of course, ambassador to the brand too, Andrew Hall. We'll have links, of course, to what you hear about within the show notes as ever. Andrew, your story of why you picked up a camera and, and start photographing motorsport is similar to, to Russell Ord, really, Australia's leading surf photographer. He got injured in the sport, picked up a camera, started shooting. And that's pretty much how you started, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to record everything that I was doing. Um, I was in a motorcycle club and we were doing uh, racing motocross. Uh, a friend of mine sort of ran me over a little bit. Uh, so I was uh, sitting out a few races, but I always took my camera with me anyway. Um, so, yeah, I just started taking pictures of, of those guys um, racing without me, and um, I, I found it hurt less than, than falling off a motorcycle. So yeah. uh, it sort of goes from me um, doing less riding and, and uh, more photography. I always like the way Australians underplay things. Um, he ran over me a little bit and I sat out for a while. It was actually quite a bad accident, wasn't it? Oh, no, not really. He just used me for extra traction, I think, uh, out of the <laughs> corners. Yeah, he's yeah. a mate, so it's all right. Yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we don't hold grudges. So, so look, we, we should probably cover this bit first of all because I, th- I think there's so much relevance to, to other parts of the conversation. You've had to battle some adversity in your life. You've had a degenerative nerve condition called HNPP. Now, my, I know it means you have no feeling in your hands or feet, so this is quite a challenge for a motorsport photographer who certainly uses hands and feet and moving about to do what you need to do. Tell me about how you've not not so much overcome it, but learned to live and work with it. It, it is a, a degenerative condition, but look, it's it, I've had it for 25 years. I am very, very lucky. I'm blessed. I've got a, a brilliant medical team um, who enthusiastically provide me with uh, new bits and pieces, new legs, new arms, uh, arm braces and things like that. Um, yeah, being realistic, I, I know it's going to stop me eventually, but whilst I can still get around and, and still get on those long haul flights, um, yeah, I'm more than, than happy to, to keep going. Plus, I think uh, the more I keep going, the more my doctors and, and my, my medical team yeah, are enthusiastic. If I just sat back and gave up, then I think uh, they wouldn't be as um, progressive with the equipment that they provide me. So, yeah, look, it's... Yeah, I haven't really got many, too many issues. Like, obviously, I've got ankles that don't work. I wear braces, carbon fibre, carbon fibre now, so it's very, 
It's very high tech. Right. Um, <laughs> carbon fiber legs because I've got no uh, ankle lift. Yeah. Um, so no feeling in my legs below my knees, no feeling in my hands below or my arms below my elbows. Uh, I can close my right hand. I can't open it. I can close my left, but uh, the fingers are not that that great. I'm a natural lefty, which it was my good hand. Um, and look, this disease is is it's not uncommon, but but I'm uh, there's huge variance in the in the degree of affliction, I suppose, that people people suffer. So um, I unfortunately are the the poster boy for the extreme end. So. I'm a bit unique, as my doctors keep telling me, so that I, I go back and provide you know them with uh, the opportunity to use me as a guinea pig because you know anything I can do to uh, you know to improve my quality of life and um, you know deal with because it, it does involve quite a bit of chronic pain and, and trying to uh, you know have a, a, a way around that and, and a plan for for dealing with that is is. Um, one of the big challenges, but thankfully I have um, I have my family, I have my photography. I watched um, you photographing uh, on YouTube quite a lot, some of those various films, and, and I, I watched with a uh, high degree of awe, actually, because you say you can't open one hand, you can't close another hand, and, but you still manage to hold the cameras, but you're helped, aren't you, with these, I, I don't know what they're called, but there's some some contraptions that have been, been built for you where where you can wrangle these these cameras and, and also the longer lenses when you need to as well. That was one of the main reasons I, I, I switched to, to mirrorless and, and the Fuji system. I couldn't carry the heavy gear anymore. You know, the, my doctors build me these dynamic braces on my arms. Um, but, yeah, again, having no feeling, you know, sometimes I'm pushing the shutter button at the start of a race going, why is it not firing? Why is it not firing? And then I, I look over the top of the camera and I'm, my finger's nowhere near the button. Right. So um, a few little challenges like that. But to be able to, yeah, I, I try and keep fit. I try and keep uh, active. I, I've got physio uh, quite a three times a week and, and other exercise programs. So I'm trying to maintain what uh, function I have in my hands. Um, I use monopods, you know, obviously with a bigger glass. Uh, and I, I tend to be a little bit um, stubborn. I think when, uh, you know, they say I can't do something and, and I, I tend to do it and then do it more. But, yeah, look, it's um, the the main issues are just no having no feeling yeah. you know, in my hands. So yeah. that can be uh, a little bit um, awkward. Well, you, you've, you've touched on the reason why you obviously went to the Fuji system. Motorsport photography has been dominated by giant lenses, thumping huge DSLR. What, what's the reaction been like from your colleagues about the system? I, I would imagine a few of them now are thinking, you know what, maybe it's time for me to swap too. It was really funny. In the early days, I mean, I, I first started using the, the Fuji system in 20, 2011. I've been lucky enough with my motorsport career. I've, I've travelled all around the world yeah. and, and I travel every year to the Le Mans 24 hour with the exception of this year. So, uh, you know, I end up in Paris or I end up in, in a city and I was just getting fed up with trying to carry around a, a massive, you know, DSLR. Yeah. And, it, and it also spooked any of my photography, you know, any subjects I was trying to photograph in the street or any, you know, they, they as soon as you pick a, a big DSLR up and, up and point it at them, then they sort of freak out. So I used the the X100, which was the, the first one in 20, uh, 2011. Um, felt like Cartier-Bresson walking around Paris with this fixed lens, yeah, you know, yeah. 35mm. Looked like my looked a bit like my grandmother's Voigtlander. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it produced amazing, you know, amazing images. So I gradually introduced, uh, then the X-Pro1 came out, um, the X-T1, and gradually introduced that to my, my racetrack kit. 
Um, a few photographers were skeptical. I mean, this was probably 20, 2014. You know, um, I was still using um, a DSLR with the big glass because Fuji hadn't introduced anything at that point. But when they looked at the images on my laptop, they went, ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see why he's using it. I was using it for a lot of the pit lane stuff and portraiture in the pits. So, yeah, the more capable it got, the less sceptical people became. Yeah. And they were looking at my pictures going, yeah, oh, it's a toy, it's a toy. And then um, two months later, they were walking down pit lane with a, an X-Pro 1 or X-Pro 2 around their neck. So, you know, I've been on commission. It would have been good. Isn't the X100 series now your, your sort of go-to for, for pit lane work? Uh, am I right in that? No, no, the X100, I mean, the, the fixed lens, I've got the latest iteration, which is what, the V? The V, yep, yeah, yeah. Look, it, that's my, if, if I'm leaving the house and I'm thinking what camera do I grab, I'll, I'll grab that because mm-hmm. it's just versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, you can zoom with your feet. It's you, you, you force. It forces you to be um, quite creative. Even before I used the Fuji system, I'd actually sold all my zoom lenses because I found that that they were making me me lazy. I was standing in one position and zooming in. You know, whereas now, yeah, you know, with the fixed lens, you have to be more creative. You have to zoom with your feet. You have to really think about your composition. So. Um, even before I'd switched to the mirrorless, I'd, I'd actually got rid of all my zooms. What, what about the 50 to 140 and those sort of lenses? Are they are they not in your arsenal? Yeah, yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> when I said I got rid of all my zooms, and then Fuji said, um, try this one. And I went, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I use primes <laughs> for, for it makes me more arty, you know, all that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I went, oh, man, the 50 was just brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Uh, even with the birdie, you can't really tell that you've got the converter on it. They kept introducing really, really lovely glass. That the 90 mil is actually the 90 mil um, f2 is one that I use in the pits purely because it's it's f2. It's it's bright. I don't think I've used it on any other aperture other than f2, mm. uh, and it's the equivalent 135. So it's a beautiful portrait lens. Mm. I'm very lucky that the actual photos I have to supply to the people I work for, um, they let me go and do what I want to do. You know, they just say, give me some pretty pictures. So uh, it's a lot of portraiture uh, in, combined with the track stuff. I think uh, now I've, I've probably got, I've got the 1655, the 5140, the 100 to 400, uh, 10 to 24. Other than that, oh, they're all primes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone back on my... Um, <laughs> my- for a lot of people, a lot of photographers, motorsport is that, uh, I mean, it, it, it looks extremely glamorous. It's a very glamorous world, fast cars. There's a lot of money in motorsport. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of world that we look in and think, wow, that would be so cool to be involved in that. I'm sure it's a lot harder work than that. Look, it's, it is, look, I, I, if I didn't enjoy it, I, I wouldn't do it. You know, that, that simple as that, especially given the restrictions I, I have with my with my physical limitations. But I can't imagine not doing it. You know, it is people say, oh, it must be great traveling. It must be doing, you know, and especially in Australia, because we, we obviously um, are miles from anywhere. The, the crew I work with are either, either from the States or from England. Uh, and they carry on about, you know, oh, it was a nine hour flight. I'm going, guys, you know, nine hours, we're still over Australia. So just... <laughs> Put it into a bit of perspective. And look, it's, it's especially, say, take Le Mans, for example. You know, it's a, a full week of late nights. You know, some of the qualifying sessions don't finish till midnight, then you're up again in the next morning. To a degree, digital has made it more challenging because editors expect images straight away. You know, I've been shooting for 20 years, 30 years now. 
obviously I started very young, <laughs> but I, I shot a lot of film. I shot, um, so the only thing you could do when, at the end of a, a practice session was come in, have a cup of coffee and charge your batteries because you couldn't do anything. You know, the film had to be processed and um, then you had to go through the images. Now, you know, the flag drops at the end of the session and, and the editor's on the phone going, where are my pictures? Um, to that degree, it's a little bit more uh, more full on. A day at Le Mans, I mean, the race is 24 hours long. Um, it starts at, say, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but you get to the track at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning wow. for the for the race day. So you, all the preparation build-up build happens. The race starts at 3 so by yeah three o'clock in the morning, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's it's all right. I've only got twelve hours to go, but it's not. It's it's just. Um, I think I was awake one year for 40, 41 hours. Goodness, you know, and, and it's it's grueling, especially if if the weather is hot. So people think it's it is. You know, you've got access to the the drivers and there's all the glitz and the glamour, but um, which there is. And the beauty of the the series that I photograph, the World Endurance Championship, is that that it's a, it's a family. So mm-hmm. it's a family that travel. And we meet up, you know, six seven times a year. Um, we all look out for each other. Um, the media people are great. If you're the regulars, you know, everything's sorted for you. Um, you you're fed and watered. So yeah, it makes it a, a little bit a little bit easier. But if you uh, have to walk around for for twelve hours, you know. Um, in a day, um, carrying all your gear in all sorts of heat and dust and rain, the glamour um, yeah. sort of disappears. I guess most sport photographers must have their favourite locations. Or, or, or do you do you try to look for something different to the others when you arrive? I mean, you mentioned you're sort of setting up at six or seven in the morning. Is there a is there a jostling? Is there a that's my place? I've got that place. I know it's the best place. There's uh, the trouble with going back to a track like Le Mans for. You know, said so this this would have been my nineteenth trip back. You know, you can't you can't just go to the same corner and and the, and the same spot. Mm. You know, sure, there's the iconic shots, but the track is always evolving. They're, they're making changes for safety. They're putting in another gravel trap in the old barn that was in the background of one shot is gone the mm. next year. You know, um, they had a big fire at Le Mans and took took down half the forest, um, and that took away a number of shots, but it also presented us with some new ones. But I think if you're going back to the same corner and the same thing, and it, you're just playing it safe. You've got to try and find something different all the time. Don't stand with the group. You know, um, I think I've shot the iconic, there's an iconic shot at Le Mans, sunrise under the, the Dunlop Bridge. And there's like 50 or 60 photographers, you know, all getting the same shot. Mm. So I, I would go around a little bit further and, and get them coming under the bridge the other way or um, try to find something a bit unique. Otherwise, you're competing against 50 or 60 other photographers. And I think it's, yeah, it's better for you to be able to push yourself a little bit more. Mm. Otherwise, you become complacent and then you become predictable. And Andrew will be back next week to talk more about the motorsport industry and a little more of how he relaxes photographically. So more to come from him next week in part two. Right, Kev, um, before we uh, start with the questions, we've got a few thank yous to make. Thank you so much to those of you that have supported us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com Fujicast is the place to go if you wish to help us out. Don't feel obliged. We will be here always. And we have... Uh, Don't feel obliged. We won't be here for always, well, no. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, feel, <laughs> feel as obliged as you wish. Good cop, bad cop. Um, <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a whole load of new names, which Man is Man needs great. to feed family. Man needs to feed family. Yes, quite right. He's quite right. We have Rainierberg, Bill Brulette, Steve Warren, Andy Saywell, Kent Johansson, 
Mark Neal, Ali Stewart, Kevin Beecham, Jess Camilleri, Eric Delorme, Donald Ridgway, Joey Campagna, Emily Renier, Peter Katzbergen, Ignacy Zulwalski, Sam Meggs, Steve Dyke, and Tommy Wessel. Tommy Tutum. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so thank you so much to all of you guys and girls for supporting us on the Patreon. Yes. For the price of a cup of coffee of a month, you can help us pay our mortgage. <laughs> thank you. Right, questions. Kev, you can go. Is it your turn to go first or mine? You did the Instagram question, didn't you? Um, did I? Yeah, uh, Jonathan yeah. Kerr. That was so last year. Yes. Uh, okay, I've got one from uh, Scott Johnson. Yeah. Uh, not really a question as such, more of a kind of thing. A point? A point, maybe. I did my first shoot in weeks at the weekend. I was asked by a friend to shoot her daughter's Holy Communion. Oh. Took the trusty GFX 50S and lenses. I get to the house set up and I left the viewfinder at oh. home. So I had to shoot using the back of the camera. So my question is, what's the silliest thing you've forgotten for a shoot? Oh, hang on a minute. Right at the start of the show, when you said to me it was a silly idea to have an eye cup holder, he could have, he could have had his spare eye cups in an eye cup holder. You're not going to get... Designed a, by Steve. You're not going to get a GFX eye cup no, in one of not, them. I know these need to be bigger. It's a redesign of the mm. system. But Yes, quite. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> that's quite a spectacular thing to forget, I have <laughs> to say. It is, yeah. Um, is that an expensive thing to forget? Probably but, is, isn't it? A GFX one. Mm. Uh, Jeff, yeah, the viewfinder. Well, it depends if it's the tilt, the tilt adapter, which yeah. is about... 400 quid yeah yeah um could be that and the worst thing is that they'll say what uh, what's this that we found on the floor oh i don't know i must have fallen chuck it in a bin yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um sorry scott that's not probably making you feel better but the good thing is there is no possible there's no cameras that i can think of that if you do lose a viewfinder lose an eye cup the lcd falls off or something like that yeah. that you know you can't really still shoot Actually, there's a couple with the LCD issue. So X70, yeah. for example. You wouldn't be able to, would you? You can get an external viewfinder for that. What is the silliest thing you've forgotten then? Uh, my cameras. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, That's quite spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, it wasn't on a wedding day. That would have been a disaster. Can you imagine mm. that? Um, it was, well, it was a disaster, actually. It was on a filming day. I uh, went, I packed everything, diligently packed. It was a, a complicated sound setup. So, in my defence, I spent the morning packing loads of sound gear, and all you know f for this, mm -hmm. I had to pack uh, things that uh, would work outside because there was a bit of an outside shoot. It was a windy day, so I, I got a shotgun mic. Anyway, I packed all the sound stuff in. I had to take a load of lighting, lighting, sound, um, lunch. Remember my lunch, <laughs> and uh, I was halfway to Windsor, and I thought, oh. Did I pat my? <laughs> did, I, did I pat my cameras? And I pulled over. I know you shouldn't do this. I pulled over onto the hard shoulder. Oh. I know, but it was you know close to a junction where I could turn round. And uh, I uh, I looked in the back. And I thought, oh shoot, <laughs> <laughs> or no shoot. Words to that effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there we go. Cameras. So did you get? Did you go back and get them? Oh yeah, time? yeah. Well, I couldn't turn up and say any charts are good. Borrow your No, no, no but you had enough time for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was a bit late, but that's that's pretty good. Um, uh, Michael Shillian added to that question, saying, uh, "Well, in that case, what's the silliest thing you have taken to a shoot?" All oh, right, Kevin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I took him a couple yeah, of years ago yeah. to a shoot. Yeah. He was absolutely useless. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just sat in the corner shaking. <laughs> yeah, rocking. I don't know. Silliest thing ever taken. I don't know what would be a what. How, I'm not quite sure. What a silly thing you would take to a shoot would be. Mm, don't know. I would mm. imagine Michael has probably got some ideas about that. Michael, let us know. Yeah. What is the silliest thing you have His mind to a shoot? works in mysterious ways. Well, here, interestingly, used to be a uh, ship 
photographer. He was. Very Be very careful how you say that. Ship. Cruise ship. Yes. Cruise ship. Both of them did, Scott and um, Michael. Anyway, I think we've done that question. Let's move on. Well done. Well, what's, Thank the, you. what's the thing you've forgotten, by the way? While we're I don't think it. I was. I was racking my brains. Nothing. I'm brilliant. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I do often stop, though. I have to say, I do often stop to check the back of the car just in case I have forgotten. I keep having these kind of visions. You're driving along listening to Nancy Griffiths on the iPod or something in the car. and What? And you think, hang on, did Nancy I? Griffiths. I remember putting my car, I remember putting the bag down behind the mm. car when mm. I opened the boot. Now, did mm. I actually pick the bag back up and put it in the boot? <sighs> that goes through my mind all the time. I did, funny enough, you have reminded me. I mean, this is not uh, essentially what the question was asking, but I do remember this being at a wedding and um i went out to the car where i'd put this signing frame in the boot um open the car uh, open the boot uh, or the trunk as you would call it in america of course um got the signing frame out but in it was quite a heavy signing frame and i put the car keys in the boot and then i took the signing frame out closed the boot Mm -hmm. went back in and then i'd went far enough to hear the auto locking. Yeah. yeah. I thought, uh, car keys. Yeah. <laughs> My father-in-law drove, drove for miles with a spare, oh. spare set of car keys. Turn up about 11pm at night. <laughs> Luckily, you can't do that now. Well, most modern cars. Not on the cars. That, no, no, that was a, quite a few years ago. But yeah. Anyway, right, questions, yours. Right, okay, I'm going to go for one of the bumps to the front. Right. Okay, so as a, as a patron member, which we've already mentioned, you do get the opportunity to be bumped to the front with your question. So we're going to go straight in with one from uh, Tludis, who says, I have a couple of X-Series uh, cameras and the GFX50R. Right now I'm sharing lenses between the two systems using a Mamiya 645 lens. Right. And I've been very happy with the results. Uh, he says, Kevin, at one point, I know you shot for your local rugby club yeah. and would love to get your view on what a photographer needs in terms of glass for shooting live action. Oh. Can you recommend a lens that could be shared between the two systems, X and GFX, that would let me use the auto features on both? A reasonable price, whatever that might mean, is preferable. Um, well, I, the GFX really isn't something that certainly you wouldn't on the take 50R that to a, a is not something I would you. suggest. No. I mean, you can, you can, you do, will get you, some very good shots if yeah, you do yeah. pre-focus in and wait yes. and get the get the timing quite right. But you're not going to be chasing the players around the pitch with a with a 50R. Simple as that. No, the X the X cameras. Yes, of course you can. There is, uh, as far as I'm aware, you cannot get an adapter that allows the GFX lenses to be mounted on an X-Series, vice versa. Maybe that will change in due course, but the sensors are so big and different yeah. that there would be a lot, yeah. of, lot of issues there. I don't know. He says he's got the Mamiya 645 lenses that work, the 3580. Don't know. I mean, ultimately, the answer, the main part of the answer is there is no lenses that can be shared between the two of them that's going to allow you to do that. Sadly, I would just keep uh, keep to the X series for the sports stuff. I remember Andrew Hill saying w- w- with the X uh, series that uh, the fifty to one forty, he, he loves that lens, mm. and uh, with the stabilisation, um, he was talking about the XH one actually mm. with a converter works perfectly. Yeah, for him. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've got that. I use the fifty to one forty for the yeah. sports stuff. I haven't got a fifty. Did, did I loan you my fifty to one forty? I don't. I don't appear to have. <laughs> uh, Joey Campagna has also been bumped to the front. Hello, guys. Love the show. Blah de blah de blah. Just wondering what you think of the big news about Toshi. <laughs> 
about Toshihisa Lida, a.k.a. Mr. X, being promoted from Electronic Imaging and Optics General Manager to President and GM of Fujifilm Europe. This will increase the amount of revenue he's responsible for by about two and a half times. So great news for him and his career, but some uncertainty for us Fuji fans. From a strategic standpoint, he's basically the architect of the X GFX systems, as I understand it. We've all benefited from his commitment to product vision and decisions to be pure to the ideals of the customer versus being motivated only by chasing sales. And that's a rare thing, I think, in an executive. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know Toshi, mm. you know, met him a few times, and he is he's a wonderful person. Mm. He, is a, he loves photography. Mm. He loves records. Mm-hmm. He's a huge David Bowie fan. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that was not the reason why the yeah. David Bowie show was the first thing that showed at the Hop, was possibly, it? By any chance? Possibly. I wow. don't know. But okay. he is a huge David Bowie fan. Um, I have uh, I, I have sung David Bowie songs with him in uh, Japanese karaoke <laughs> bar at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning. I should love to hear that. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, he, yeah, so, so ultimately he was the... I suppose to give you a little bit of backstory, and this is my understanding of it. I mm. might be might be slightly slightly off off track, but the X series was born from a, a few people who who kind of backed to the X one hundred, which of course it's the anniversary tenth anniversary. Yeah, of the we X100. were just about to mention that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Toshi would would have been one of those people, and he, he they, there was twenty three of them, I believe, in the team, mm-hmm. and they you know they've grown exponentially, and he's done extremely well. But every time I've met him, and uh, you know every time I've seen him at events and everything, he always has time for you, and he always always is asking, what can we do next? What can we do? to make it better but he never says things like what what do you want what you know what would you want what he says is how can we make things better for photography and uh so yeah i'm really pleased for him he's he's worked very very hard and Mm. uh, done well for himself so the question is what would happen perhaps when somebody who is so ingrained in photography and the uh the vision behind it moves on um we just have to hope that the the new chap is has a similar kind of mentality i guess um, which I'm sure he does. I, I, I think I, the vision of the company would suggest know. that they would get somebody that would, would... I mean, they must have thought and searched, I would have thought. Listen, the Fujifilm... Uh, in fact, all Japanese culture, business yes. culture, yeah. you, you join a company in Japan, yeah. typically you stay there forever, mm. and you are... Uh, you know, your life basically revolves around making that company do well. Mm. So, yeah, you're not going to have somebody who's coming in just to make up the numbers or anything like that yeah. uh, he, he will be he will be fully fully ready for the job yeah. um, I remember sitting in the back of a car with Toshi once and out of the karaoke bar uh, who by the way would like to hear um, uh, would like to hear Kev sing karaoke <laughs> uh, I we, would we had a conversation about a monochrome sensor right now this was this was in 2013 and we're in the back so of you were taxi. still in shorts then, I, I was still in yeah. shorts X100 <laughs> X Pro 1 had been released yeah that was about it, X100, X Pro 1. Not a lot else had, had kind of kicked, come mm. along at that point. Mm. And we sat in the back of this taxi in, in Japan, and he was like, what do you think about a monochrome sensor? And, of course, I was all over that. And mm. and, and, <laughs> and he was he was very excited by it too. And and I think that was like the fledgling conversation of those things. Obviously, it didn't go anywhere, mm. and, and mm. absolutely makes sense. It didn't go anywhere because of the, uh, you know, the restrictions involved in, in doing something like that. But... You know, at that point, he was the one kind of asking about 
the, the yeah. photography and what the people want and you know what would be good so yeah a big passion in photography big passion in music yeah. really nice guy wow. um simon rigby sent in a mail um and uh, I'll, I'll bypass all the bloody bloody blasts the x100 has a special birthday so, since we were talking about it mm-hmm. who got there first neil or kevin got where Ten, to our 10th birthday no 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 he means who bought the X100, the oh. original X100 oh. first. Definitely you, I would have thought. Yeah, well, I know for a fact that I was very much early adopter. So yeah. I I ordered it, but I pre-ordered it before it was... Uh, I pre-ordered it, pre-ordered it. Yes, but... I, I had ordered it when they hadn't even thought of it. <laughs> so I can prove that I had it earlier than you, and this is very anal because I... Uh, I designed I, it. I... I uh, <laughs> I spoke to, long time later, I spoke to somebody at uh, Wex, when yes. it was still called Warehouse Express, who yeah, I ordered yeah, it from. Yeah. And, um, and a couple of weeks later, they sent me an email saying, oh, you know, we, we had that conversation about, you know, who, who were the early adopters of the X, the yeah, original X100. Yeah. And, uh, and they went through the order list. Was yours uh, the first? I was the third. Wow, a third? On, on Warehouse Express. Right. And bear in mind, Warehouse Express had the first batch mm. in the UK. Who were the first two, do you know? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's a shame. Uh, GDPR. Well, yeah. it would have been way before GDPR. I think but I was second, maybe. <laughs> yeah maybe anyway well i still have have you still got yours no mm, i still have mine and it's signed yeah what are your earliest memories of that camera then since we're talking about the x100 uh just that it was beautiful to look at very frustrating to use mm. but the images that came out of it were beautiful when yeah. you got the images out of it yeah um but I, the, my overall memory of it i took it to a wedding. it came on a thursday funny enough and mm. i had a thursday afternoon wedding and so I went, I took it with me. I was still shooting my um, Canon DSLRs at the time, so I did most of the work with that. Yeah, and yeah. then I kind of got this this camera out. And I just thought, wow. I, you know, it was frustrating yeah. because it was slow to focus at the time. But I was like, my God, this is incredible. This is, this is like, I can do whatever I want with this camera. Well, why couldn't you do that with a Canon? This is about 20 times bigger. Well, yeah, but... I couldn't get. I couldn't go on the dance floor and shoot with one hand with my Canon 1D Mark IV right. and a 70-200 lens on it. Yeah. Or whatever it was, 70-24, 60... 70-200, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. The big white one. Yeah. They said, I've arrived, I'm pro! Yeah, and I, I think, actually, I didn't I didn't use the zooms. I, I had a 35mm and an 85mm, right. but either way, mm. the, I mean, that Canon system was heavy and big and, mm. you know... So Mind I, you, you I, had the one, didn't you? The one, uh, what's it called, 1D... Uh, I had 1D. the 1D Mark IV and a 5D Mark two i think okay. mark one yeah, mark two yeah. anyway but either way they were mu- this camera was just small it looked nicer mm. i could see in the in the uh electronic viewfinder what the image would look like as mm. well and mm. to me that was like whoa new land new land yeah just stuck everything on a <laughs> never <laughs> never look back <laughs> i might not have my original one but i do i do have the f and i didn't go to the v I've got all of them now. Mm. In fact, I'm doing a YouTube video about it. I'm talking of YouTube, Kev. You have to show your your new YouTube film that you've done. Um, Documentary Photography Tips by Kevin Mullins. Link to it. Link to it in the in the show notes. But uh, I want to show you this. I got this from, from Tim Binder the other day. Mm. I mentioned him on the uh, Photography Daily uh, show last uh, Friday, just gone on. The, he sent me a... a uh, a lens, uh, a Yashica 28mm vintage lens, and he sent me the adapter as well. And I put it straight away, I got the X-Pro1 out again, because mm. I thought, actually, that, with the... I've, I've literally turned it into a monochrome camera, really. Mm-hmm. So this is my monochrome camera. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic to use. Yeah, it looks yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, doesn't that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks good as well. It looks good with that vintage yeah. lens on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was chuffed with that. Thank you again, Tim Binder. He did say we could share the lens. <laughs> 
So uh, you can have it Tuesday to Thursday. I'll have it the rest of the time. I want it on the second week. What about school holidays? Ah, good point. We'll work it out. Anyway, your question. Uh, Steve Dyke says, uh, do either of you have a go-to for getting out of a slump? Oh, talking of <laughs> could be a favorite location revisit locations at new time of the day new gear etc with less travel because of covid uh, i'm in a bit of a slump and looking for ideas to get the creative juices flowing yeah um the fridge i find's a good place to start with um all those cans of san miguel <laughs> <laughs> i haven't drunk a, a drop of beer this week have you not no. you did whiskey the other i've night, done though. a bottle of whiskey <laughs> though yeah tell you what though it stops the it stops the bloating does it yeah yeah, I'd be on the floor. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, cheaper too, really. Is it? Think about it? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A, a place where you go when you're in a, a creative slump. I started. This is going to sound weird. We have a towpath close to us along the Kennet and Avon Canal, and I go there a lot. I went there a lot during actual lockdown, 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 when we weren't allowed to go far from the house. And um, I've been photographing all the... Uh, they have little numbers, and a lot of them have been over... The, for the fishermen, they're mm. like, like where they're allowed to sit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way along the canal. And a lot of them have been hidden by vines and all sorts of uh, stuff. And I've been photographing that. Mm. And I find that it's a little, little project. But that has, of late, taken me out of... Whenever I've thought, oh, where is the business going? Mm. You know, as it, as it fires out the back door. And I've been doing that. And that's uh, that's been the place where I go. Yeah, I mean that's good. I have to say that I struggle with this massively because I I really have not been taking anywhere near as many pictures recently mm. as I, I normally would do. And you know, for all various reasons, you know, you've got all kinds of stuff going through your mind about the business, and you know, trying to do some filming, and yeah. you know, and then and you know, my my kind of ongoing battle with with just general humanity that doesn't seem to want to be photographed anymore. Um, you know, and I'm just like, actually, you know, so typically, I mean, it's not a photography element, but the the thing that, that kind of gets me in my, my zone, mm. happy zone is going to the gym. Is it? Believe it or not. Look at you. Yeah. Gym buddy. I go down the gym, I switch everything off and yeah. listen to my, my cheesy music <laughs> and I just treadmill it. Yeah. I go on the Watt bike and lift a couple the of weights. The Watt bike? The Watt bike. <laughs> What is a what bike? It's it's brutal. The what bike, yeah. Um, and that's it. I do that for an hour, and I'm yeah. and, and I kind of that unplugs me from the world. Does it? Yeah. It makes you feel better. Yeah, it does. Make, yeah, that's the point. It makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, it is what it is. It is what it is. There we go for Kev. Uh, um, right, books. Yes. What have we got this week? Uh, so this week we have. This Look week. at this thing. Yeah. This. <laughs> Blow the dust off. <laughs> got my little white gloves on this. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is got, it's hard to even see the tight the front because it, it it's, fa- it's fantastic it doesn't even have a look um, at it look at it a sleeve so this is called the story of the world in pictures yeah. so all everything that's ever happened in the world has been photographed is in this book no way yeah it looks like something out of a Harry Potter set it does doesn't it <laughs> so this book was published in 1934 it looks okay. much much older than that so it doesn't have wow. anything after 1934 listen to these lovely lovely pages okay flicking, ready here we go got an asmr channel look keep doing it we'll get millions that's it and that's it for another week we'll join you next they've all gone to sleep okay so but that is literally what people do on these asmr channels yeah i know i know i know i know it's very bizarre um okay so this book by the way the reason why i brought this was because i've had this for a long time mm, but mm. i remember buying it on well since 1934 <laughs> on ebay or something like that i think yeah. 
Um, so I, I did check it out, and it's still widely available. So this isn't something, no even even because of its age. So this is a well-known photography book. Well, this is, uh, you know, back in those days, they used mm. to have, like, these um, almanacs yes. and things. Yeah. This isn't an almanac, but no. they, these are the kind of things that people would buy every year kind of thing. I used you know? to get an almanac every year for a Christmas present. Yeah, <laughs> I had one once. The hood fell off. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> So uh, this book is. Uh, oh God! You're doing jokes. So I'm just all I'm going to do with this book is uh, there's a lovely little quote at the front, okay, and then mm. I'm going to I'm going to flip to some random pages and and, okay. and talk to you about it. Right now, bear in mind it's 1934, so some of this stuff, some of the opinions and the the types of pictures that are in this might not be pictures that the story of the world in pictures would be taken yeah. these days. Uh, so it's edited by Harley Usill, yes, um, and the 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 photographs obviously from multiple places, um, and H. Douglas Thompson as well. Uh, it's published by Oddham's Press, London, Longacre. So London. these are photographers around the world? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yes. These, are, these are probably all taken from the news. Okay, right, the preface. Mm-hmm. Settle in. So, and this is in beautiful Times New Roman font, lovely, mm. soft. You know, I smell that book. Oh, Monty. <laughs> okay, so this is what it says, right? I'm going to read just the first two paragraphs. To see the world, the desire and ambition of all, the privilege of the few... And yet, were a man fortunate enough to spend the whole of his life in happily wandering over the face of the earth, he would be lucky to see as much as we see in this book. Our forefathers listened, breathless to travellers' tales of men, but a single eye in the middle of the forehead, of fire-breathing basilisks, of mermaid sirens. I wonder where you were going then. We can see here more and more and greater wonders still. The wonders of truth, ever stranger than fiction from real countries, quite as romantic as those fabled isles of ancient story. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, from China many, to Peru. You don't get many photo books that start like that. <laughs> no, so uh-huh. the preface, uh, interestingly though, if you if you read between the lines of that preface, what it's saying is, look, in this picture we're going to show you things uh, you know, from tribes and things that you, you just think are made up and, and make-believe yeah, and, yeah. you know... Um, and, and that's exactly what's in here. So I've turned to page, page after page. I mean, there's usually about four pictures per page by the looks of it. I've turned to page 153, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the title of this page is How Man Feeds Himself. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's ironically pictures of women picking tea and things like that. So how man feeds himself you know it was of its time of course that's mm. what i'm saying it's not i'm not i'm not knocking it i'm just saying that's 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 the stuff that's in here mm. um i'm going to flip to page 192 and this is I called can smell the book from here now by the way this is how <laughs> this is this is called how man shelters himself it, does every page start with how man does something yeah well kind of right i'll do a couple more in a minute how does man shelter himself uh houses with only one wall Okay. One wall. Uh, and what? this is Native Ameri- uh, Native Australian. So this right. is a picture of uh, Aborigines. Right. Uh, and it's a great picture. Bear in mind, this is so 1934, you were never going to see this kind of stuff on the TV no, or no, anything, no, no. right? Uh, Most people didn't have it. Did, was TV around? Yeah. <laughs> John Logie Baird, had he done it by then? Not sure. The Australian native weaves a scene of leaves and bark and rushes or yeah. wood and turf. Yeah. The, this flimsy affair, propped on a couple of uprights, is the only kind of home he knows how to construct. Mm. This photograph shows a hunting party of the few remaining in Aborigines posing in front of a series of windbreaks, as they're called, in a clearing in the bush. Fabulous. I mean, there's a disturbing quaintness to the language, of course. I mean, it's, it's a, you're right, it's a warm-toned almanac. Go on, fl- flip to another page. How man talks to man. 
Right. There's no pictures on this though. It's all uh, it's all um, text, and uh, it, it starts with letters are still the simplest and most commonly used means of sending oh, messages on were. every yeah. continent. Yeah. And then it goes on about uh, the network of airmail routes. Yeah. The radio telephone has annihilated distance. The radio, radio telephone. telephone. Brilliant, on, isn't it? Imagine they would have been looking forward and, and seeing mobile technology. Yeah. Come on, take one more picture for us. Yeah, okay, one more picture. So I have, I've moved to, oh, it's aptly called broadcasting. All oh, right. There is uh, several pictures on here. Um, I'll go to the one with... Um, oh, look at that. There's a picture of Neil and Tony Blackburn here, <laughs> walking hand in hand. That's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Air and temperature to order. Yeah. Uh, and it's a picture of three men uh, with what looks, I don't know, look, they look like washing machines to me, but you can probably tell me what those things are. Um, oh, they're uh, Aerionbidiobuses. Oh, those things. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> That's true, isn't it? No, they're air conditioners. Oh, I go. was closer. They're not air conditioners. It says the largest air conditioning system in the world Are has they? been installed in the National Broadcasting Corporation section of Radio City. Shown above ah. is the control panel for regulation of temperature in all parts of the studio building. The large dials keep a constant graphic record of air conditions in each section, thus ensuring the minimum discomfort to artists. Artists. Wow, the that's talent, incredible. They're called. The talent. Yeah. So yeah. So listen, this book is uh, has its um, you know it was of his time. So just yeah. bear that in mind. But I think it's wonderful, like absolutely wonderful. And it covers literally everything. I'm looking at literature now. They're talking about the theatre, the age of great actors. Yeah. Uh, you can just imagine this being read out by a 1940s broadcaster on, yeah. you know, with his pinched voice on the BBC. Pinched um, voice. Oh, look, the cup final. Yeah. Mankind at play. I always love pictures of cup finals from the, from the, you know, the, the turn of the last century. The people were packed in like sardines and nobody cared. The rapid progress of association football throughout the continent of Europe and the South America states is an eloquent testament to the great popularity of this winter game. There we go. There we go. I think we've done that book. Yes. <laughs> I think you were going to be there forever otherwise. I was just about to bring a sleeping bag in. There we go. That's it for another week. Thank you to um, our guest, Andrew Hall, and, of course, Carl Hare yes. for making his first appearance. One of many. First of many. The Brain. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, please keep sending your questions in. Send them to click at fujicast.co.uk or of course you can go in through the uh, the Facebook page and uh, send them to us via that. And the website. Oh, well, and the website, yeah, shiny, shiny, shiny newish lots website. Lots of stuff on those. Uh, mm-hmm. I am not seeing enough people go to the pages, right. so the show notes. Ah. So if I don't see those numbers go up, I'm going. I'm giving up. I'm going. On, I'm going to lock it down. I'm going to shut it. Yes. You're going to stop the stop the whole. A lot of effort. Yes. We, have, we put videos on there and you all do. sorts of things. Yeah. So go there. Kevin spoken. Uh, not when you're driving though. Listen to it on a podcast app. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> not when you're driving. Um, I've completely lost my. Oh yes. Um, and also you can send uh, your questions in via uh, for all our lovely patrons. Um, you can you can send them in and get bumped to the front as well uh, that way. Thank you, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs> <laughs>